Welcome back, Rogue's Passage Podcast. I'm Tanner Cherry uh, here at the start of the episode. Again, A, to tell you what's up in the episode, what we get on to talking about, but also to uh, ask for a humble, give us a break. Uh, Had the same audio issue as the last podcast. Uh, I believe I have it figured out. I think it was actually just like a buffer buffer size in the recording. Uh, Just mangled certain little tiny sections. We were recording secondary audio. I spliced that in. Um, I... I'm sorry. <laughs> I it kills me that it that it's happening. Um, but we are in a grind to get a basically like a hundred pieces of content out, not missing a week. So we're trying to just slug through it. And I mean, I still thought the conversation was great. Uh, Brandon and I we, we were missing Brady this time. It was his birthday when we recorded this, and he was very busy. But yeah, we got into talking about uh, last minute deck change for my my uh, pioneer selection for this upcoming weekend. Um, we talked a bit about CEDH. Uh, we talked a bit about our adventures in uh, putting together some Oathbreaker, which actually we're going to be sitting down and recording some games this coming weekend. Anyway, I will leave myself and Brandon to continue jabbering about all of that stuff in the episode. I just wanted to humbly ask you guys to, you know, this uh, the, the audio just gets a little a little bunk for a couple seconds. Or I guess it's like four minutes at a time. <laughs> but please uh, give us a break. It's... Um, we're just trying as hard as we can to figure out all of the nightmare of software and recording and creating content. It's been fun, though. Um, anyway, I'll shut up. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. See you guys on the next one. Bye-bye. Good day, everyone. Welcome back to the Rogue's Passage podcast. Uh, I'm joined here with my wonderful partner, Brandon. Hello, hello. It's good to I see you Brando, all. I guess Brando. This is technically the stage name, Brando. Brando. <laughs> no no last name. Just like you know, I'm Rihanna. I'm, oh, I'm Rihanna. I'm, I'm Rihanna. <laughs> I'm, I'm Cardi B. I'm Brando. Nice to meet you. Yeah, welcome back. I'm Tanner Cherry. Um, we're uh, we're gonna do a, just a quick little episode here to update. We're we're about a week out from going to the face to face tournament tour here next weekend, which mm-hmm. we're both we were talking about this before we started recording. We're very excited. Oh yeah, a little, is... the nerves are kind of setting in because it's like I don't feel like we deserve quite yet. Like the like just like you said, you were talking to like the organizer for yeah. like us going to the event sort of thing, and she seemed like stoked for us to come and it's like wow like we're still yeah. so new to this well last time i went to something like this i guess did you go to as well the uh, magic fest i didn't know no. yeah there was no. oh god when was that i think that was pre-pandemic mm-hmm. right yeah the the word that shall not be named sorry <laughs> sorry guys sorry. um yeah it was at the like the telus convention center it was like a proper magic fest it was i yeah. think it was a gr- it was grand prix calgary yeah and you know it, that experience like walking around that's like you're a, a no-name face in the crowd now we're like trying to like go in there like marketing or trying to like just like meet new people and, and get mm-hmm. this project out there and and you know we have to mingle with the organizers and, and other content creators and stuff and also there's like cool celebrities that are going to be there that mm-hmm. like since we're running around doing a vlog series thing we're probably going to have to get up the guts to go like you know try I've, and say I've, hi to and I've, I've, I've got us covered I don't have like an <laughs> ounce of nervousness or shyness in me at least not when it comes to like this kind of stuff you throw awesome. me at, like, you throw me at a party and be like oh hey like Go introduce yourself to that person over there. And I'm like, can I? But it comes to like the amount of famous people I've met to date that are just kind of like (laughs) I've walked up to with no business being as casual as I am with them. And then guaranteed saying they'd be like, 
who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, who the like, hell is this you, kid? Have I met you before? What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked. Like, it's it's going to be a different lens, mm-hmm. a different, totally different perspective to walk in and, like, uh, we're going to be, like, a part of this convention, but, like, we're going to be trying to be a part of this convention in regards to getting our name out there and... Mm-hmm. Also, then on top of that, which I I'm I'm not nervous for at all, yeah. which is crazy for, is the fact that I'm going to be playing Pioneer in these in a couple of Pioneer challenges. Yeah, and I know in the, in the last podcast, if for any of the listeners out there who are you know, if, if you're listening to every episode, mm-hmm. I love you. Yeah. You guys are great. Oh yeah. Um, last episode, I talked about how I was going to play Mono Red Wizards Burn mm-hmm. because it was a cheap option, and it was like okay, like just I just need a deck that. Also, I wanted to play a deck that is of sort of the style that I like to play. And in this whole thing, I actually, I'll, I'll pivot here to something else that like I've learned what I love to play on arena is mono blue tempo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's an aggro strategy. It's yeah. like you, you win in the first six turns or whatever, or yeah. you're like, you, you, all your gas is early and it doesn't really bleed into the late game. Mono red wizards, same thing. You got to get all that shit done quickly yeah. or you're going to, just fade to, you know, a Shieldred. Yeah. And then I've switched my deck that I'm going to be playing next weekend to actually, sentimentally, the deck that I built when Pioneer was first announced. Mm-hmm. It was, Pioneer was brand new. And back then there was a deck, Boros Heroic, mm-hmm. you know, fav- oh, yeah. favorite Hoplite, oh, Miss Heroic. Monastery Swift Spear, Feather the Redeemed was in the deck. And yeah. it's still, this is the way I've got it built, is with Feather the Redeemed and Dreadhorde Arcanist. Yeah. You know, just being able to, like, recast and cycle all of these incredible spells like Defiant Strike and God's Willing, which, well, God's Willing is an incredible spell. Defiant Strike is shit. Yeah. But it's good in this <laughs> yeah. this archetype, right? It's yeah. it's one of those decks where the cards are cheap because they're only, they're not really good everywhere else, but they're incredible in here. Yeah. Um, recently, actually, where are they? They're right here. I'm just going to grab them. This card got printed in uh, in Wilds of Eldraine, which has taken uh, it's taken the Boros Heroic archetype up a tier. Uh, it's called Monstrous Rage. Here, I'll, I'll read one as well. It is a one drop instant for one red called Monstrous Rage. Target creature gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. Create a monster roll token attached to it. And what the monster roll token does is it gives your creature plus one plus one and trample. And for the first time in these type of decks. Mm-hmm. The the roll token or like the plus one plus one and trample, it stays around. It's no longer just for the like that one shot that you cast the instant. Like monstrous rage is a is a one drop instant. Yeah. That effectively the minute you cast it, you cast it on a favorite hoplite or a monastery swift spear. You're adding four power. Yeah. In that instant. Oh yeah. And trample. Yeah. And then the trample and the plus one stays. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm loving. I'm in love oh. with, the, with the choice to go to roll wizards. Please print more roll stuff. I get that you're probably not going to because it's probably going to stick to Eldraine. Um, but the roll tokens make so much sense, especially with like how much uh, modified cards and how much like modified cards are cared about these days in just Magic the Gathering. Modified, Mod- modified is- does include Enchanted. Modify anything that is functionally not a part of the card itself. Counters, enchantments, uh, artifacts. If something is equipment, yeah, if something is attached to a card, it is considered modified. Cool. And so, like, love to see it. Especially like, yeah, it's it's breathing new breath into uh, like the old heroic format, which I don't think we've seen heroic cards for a long time. No, I guess since Theros, the heroic ability. 
yeah, yeah has been, it's long past. It yeah. hasn't, hasn't really been printed. Although the funny thing is here, War of the Spark, there's a creature in this deck mm, that, okay. that does remain in the deck that I'll be playing, which is 10th District Legionnaire. And it is a red and a white for a human soldier with haste, 2-2. Two, two. Whenever you cast a spell that targets 10th, G- 10th, 10th District Legionnaire, <laughs> put a 1-1 one, one counter on 10th District Legionnaire and then scry one. Yeah. So it is still, it's very similar to the, um, uh, what is it called? Sorry, the favorite hoplite. Yeah. Right? When it's, whenever you target it, it gets a counter. Yeah. And like the, uh, this card, 10th District Legionnaire was from War of the Spark. It didn't really, it wasn't like a full archetype of, of similar creatures that did that. It was mm-hmm. just every so often you get another creature that acts similarly to that. Yep. Um, I'm excited. The one thing I'm really excited for was that the Wizards deck, the Wizards burn deck was very like, you got to have that one turn that pops off and chains. And, and because mm-hmm. it's a prowess built deck, prowess is like you build up that turn and then it, it you don't get that back the next turn. Yep. The Boros heroic deck in every way other than just the Monastery Swift Spear that's still in this deck. Yeah. Every other car- creature, like the favorite Hoplite, you know, even the Dreadhorde Arcanist, like, doesn't technically grow. Yeah. But it's able to recast spells. It's, I feel like a lot of the things that you're doing in this deck oh, yeah. stick around for the next turn. Yeah. And you get access to God's Willing. Yeah. A great example of prowess, by the way, if any of you wanted to check it out, is a couple episodes ago. Uh, our boy here plays Elsha the Infinite, one of our commander games. Oh, yeah. And it's the primest example of exactly what prowess can do. Because turn by turn, you just bolstered Elsha up to the fact that he could just one-shot us each one at a yeah, time. Yeah, the thing is, like, with Elsha, like, I didn't I didn't tutor for any of the pieces in that deck. I just ha- I naturally kind of drew into the engine, which is the yeah. the um, the Sensei's Divining Top and a Cost Reducer yeah. on artifact spells. Yeah. And once you have those two pieces in place, you can just keep looping and recasting the the thing uh, that's the Sensei's Divining Top for free, yep. essentially getting as many prowess triggers as you have cards in your deck to use. Yep. And I think prowess is definitely a lot more balanced than when it comes to a lot of these other things where just like, like, yeah. like heroic. And it's probably part of the reason why we haven't gone back to heroic is like heroic is strong and it's not necessarily overpowered, but having that nuance where, okay, all of these targets or all of this ability is bolstering your thing and it stays like permanently bolstered compared to the prowess, which is like prowess is, as as that episode will show, not underpowered at all. <laughs> no. But the temporary sense really balances it out. Well, it's it's not, I mean, that's not a great example for prowess because that was like a combo, like an engine yeah. sort of. Whereas like... Well, that's what you want to do with prowess though, right? Is true. You want to be comboing, to keep bringing it up. Bring it up again, bring it up again. Yeah, the one thing, though, with this other, with this Wizards deck, it was kind of like, what you know, one thing that was kind of making me sad about it was that, like, Light Up the Stage is really the only way to draw cards in the deck. Yeah. And there's four copies of Light Up the Stage in the deck. That's it. Like, if, like, I feel like without casting a Light Up the Stage, you just gas out so quick. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. but, like, you, you have to have, like, an insane amount of one-drop creatures. You have to have, like, a really, like, a, a critical mass of certain elements to be able to enact your game plan on those first two or three turns. Yeah. So I'm very happy to go to this because A, I mean, sentimental. It was the first Pioneer deck I built. Yeah. And knowing that like Monster's Rage has been, Monster's Rage and also Illuminator Virtuoso, I think, which is from Streets of New Capenna or something, Mm -hmm. is a double strike creature that has basically heroic connive. Yeah. So like, yeah, the deck, oh, I... 
I was talking about this earlier. Like I, play, I, love, I love to play Mono Blue Heroic on Arena, and then this deck, and then that Wizards. And I was like, okay, from our first episode, I definitely talked about how I like the Jeskai colors. Mm-hmm. It seems like mm-hmm. I have a type. Like oh, I yeah. definitely have a type in the Jeskai colors. I like I have the Boros, Mono Red, Mono Blue, and they're all like get it done in three turns. Yeah. Or pack your cards up and go home. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how you're supposed to play it. It's, like, counterintuitive to how I play, even when it came to, like, playing on Arena and stuff. I am, I, I, especially Mono Blue. I've never, Mono Blue, a lot of my decks have blue in them. I've never been a counterspell player, like, here and there sort of thing. But I just, I've never been a counterspell player. And then just the, the Mono Blue synergies, the Mono Blue decks that exist out there are just so foreign to me. I just... Oh, you you, you put them in front of me, and I don't know what to do. I have such a problem, like, holding up mana and not doing things. I've always been a, I'm just going to pump all of my mana into every single turn that I do something. I don't need to hold mana up. I don't care. Okay. I, I actually just got an idea. I think yeah. a way to, you'll see this on the channel sometime <laughs> in the next couple months. Okay. So I've been, I just recently started playing, um, what is it? Sorry, Pioneer. It's called Explorer on arena okay explorer is the version like it's it's them essentially working towards pioneer yeah right now they don't have all of the critical mass of uh competitive cards for them to call it pioneer and once they do they can't quite call it pioneer because all the commons and uncommons that nobody plays won't be in the format or available but what they want they they want to push towards tournament pioneer like playable pioneer so mm-hmm. all of the decks that you see in the metas in the in the challenges and the, the people are playing all those cards are available interesting so okay, okay, okay. if they do want to host a tournament yeah it, it i'm pretty sure it'll be called something like arena pioneer yeah. it, it'll be functionally like as close as possible and i think they said at the end of 2024 they're going to have total critical mass to be able to do that now okay cool. i just I, I actually just recently i don't know if you if, like there, there was like a big wizard survey that came out and they showed a bunch of metrics and I was like b- like blown away mm-hmm. that alchemy is played oh, more yeah. than explorer. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, I saw that. I saw and that I was like, too, wait, yeah. really? Like I and I know that like all the people that play Hearthstone, all the people that like play digital card games primarily, sure, alchemy isn't that big of a deal. For me, man, when when I was playing H- historic, yeah. and all of a sudden they were like, yeah, by the way, the alchemy cards are just legal and historic. So then I'd, I'd be playing my, my historic deck, and I would be, like, just randomly playing up against people. I was just like, wait, what the f- what does that card do? Like, it, it does what? Like, yeah. they're so obscure and strange and weird that yeah. it doesn't feel like the game of Magic. Because literally you couldn't ever do it with a, with a cardboard card. For people that don't know, for listeners that aren't aware what alchemy is on Magic Arena, it was Magic Arena caving to all the, the, the pressure to, I think, in the beginning, the biggest thing was... Like, for instance, they printed Oko in the last Eldraine set, mm-hmm. and it was, in a short order, banned in, like, seven formats. Mm-hmm. It's really, oh, yeah. it's He's, just so egregious. The card, it was the, it's the most powerful, like, offensive Planeswalker play pattern ever made. Yeah. And it was banned everywhere. And a lot of, for years and years, people were like, well, why can't you just rebalance it? You know, Hearthstone does that. If a card's too powerful, they'll just, like, adjust the numbers. Yeah. But it's a digital-only game. Well, they, they, they kind of did that because... Um, That's what alchemy is. <clears throat> well, no, I just mean because... Um, what was it? Uh, the four-color Omnath. Yep. Locus, yeah, Omnath, Locus the, of the Royal. No, Locus of no. the Royal is the three-color. Locus of Creation. Locus of Creation. Um, they upped its mana value by one on right. Arena because yep. it dominated the meta and it became so toxic where 
everybody was either playing it or only building decks to like hard counter it that still weren't winning. <laughs> True. But here's the thing. They only upped the mana value of Omnath mm-hmm. in Alchemy. Yeah. Alchemy is like the subset because there's, there's standard yeah. and then there's Alchemy standard. Yeah. And in Alchemy standard, they've changed the cards that like they've rebalanced the format digitally. Yeah. But it's really weird because like I used to like playing historic quite a bit. And now there is no historic and alchemy historic. It's historic just has it like everything printed on arena ever. Historic is like the legacy format of uh, of arena. And I don't like how now historic, which actually, I guess, circling right back, (laughs) Explorer is the answer to that. Yeah, basically. Because Explorer is... Is not is untouched by alchemy, which I'm I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> it's fucking weird, Hot and I here. I don't like. I personally, I will use my I statements. I don't dig the cards where when you play them, they start like creating other cards or doing weird like it. The, the, I think the reason I have a problem with it is because when it starts happening, I feel like someone else is playing like a different game, mm-hmm. and I like there's. No, I have no frame of reference as to like what their cards could do. Yeah, it's 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 like I just become removed from being able to think about my opponent's turn because I'm just like it's like halfway I, through playing a game of Magic and somebody pulls out Pokemon cards and it's like oh yeah no this is legal yeah You're like, I can play this and you're like well, I've never played what it's a different game. Yeah, I know I like I I know I'm being a grumpy pants. <sighs> I know, I, and I and I I love that some of you love it. Except, maybe I don't because it's okay. You can hate on him. He's a bo- <laughs> he's, he's a he's a boomer. I am a boomer. <laughs> I'm closing in on forty, man. Like I I don't like alchemy. <laughs> I just don't. I, I, it's not that I don't like it. I just don't get it. I don't understand the kids. I don't understand the kids. Those damn kids. Well, one format <laughs> that I think you'll enjoy a heck of a lot more and all of you brilliant segue brandon is uh absolutely (laughs) is uh oathbreaker and we've got some big plans uh our next gameplay episode should hopefully be oathbreaker uh Uh, yeah well currently we're what we're sitting on today yeah is nothing to release release. (laughs) we've got so much to record right now we uh man in terms of the content creation grind it sucks when you like have a what feels like a great episode. And then in the editing process, like I burned like five or six hours last week, like editing this episode and just being like, man, I just, it's, I think we got to dump this one. Like there was, there was some uh, egregious mistakes and there was uh, like, well, it's also like, if you guys are watching, I wouldn't mind like if in the comments or something, let us like, if you were to see a video where somebody makes like a pretty, Huge mistake. A huge mistake, and then the game just goes on. Like, the triggers that you've seen us miss and that we've been called out for on some of our game sort of things, like, oh, I didn't create enough treasure tokens, or, oh, you did, like, a little bit of extra damage, or you didn't take quite as much life. And those, like, those are passable. Those are things where just, like, even when you guys are calling us out or us calling ourselves out on it sort of thing, it's like, that's the game of magic. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, we can get better at that. Yeah. But when it comes to just like the oops, I missed a whole trigger, and in like an entire you uh, an entire spell got cast for free, or like an entire turn's worth of damage shouldn't have happened. We're just like this drastically alters the game. Yeah, like part of me is just like, ooh, like does the viewer actually feel like smart when they point it out or whatever? Or, like, is it better to leave it in or like is it worth scrapping the episode? And I mean, like I can yeah. I can continue to edit that episode and release it. I just uh, I feel like actually maybe the maybe the thing to do 
would be to just like slug that one out and get it done and then ask some close homies to watch it and see like what do you think right because yeah, yeah. like on our end we, we don't know like what the bar really is for what people would enjoy or what people would like really like it's uh yeah it's hard to tell too because it's like you look at even some of the bigs making content making commander games the bigs the, the bigs <laughs> uh and like every single one of them has had at least an episode of semi-recent where there's either been a missed trigger or some kind of screw up or them themselves calling out being like oh yeah we scrapped an entire game because the entire first half of it was just and everybody was missing their triggers and stuff and it's like okay well it's like there is there is a reason to not put out games but yeah I will shout out again if you guys want to watch I think it was Magic Con Barcelona or whatever when uh, the Command Zone guys Jimmy and Josh they did a a panel on talking about the behind the scenes of what it's like to record game nights and, and edit game nights and ship a final product to the viewers mm-hmm. and what all it goes on and what has gone on in the past with their 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 mix-ups and shortcomings and everything. Yeah. And, man, those guys, like, I know they're badasses, but, it like, I gained a lot of respect from hearing their war stories of what oh, it yeah, takes dude. to put out those episodes. Because also, like, at the same time of, like, watching that piece of content was while we're honing our skills of, of editing and, and, like, putting out content. And, yeah, it's, uh, I can relate. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a process. It's been a process and a learning curve for sure. But back to Oathbreaker. Back to Oathbreaker. <laughs> uh, we are so excited. Hello, we've got a kitten joining uh, us. Lovely Jack. Uh, Captain Jack. Captain Jack. Uh, yeah, we're super excited to kind of, kind of start drifting away from the regular commander format stuff and drifting into, yeah, Oathbreaker. We want to do Popper, both 60. We've talked about this before, both yep. 60 Popper as well as Popper Commander kind of thing. Really kind of like show where you can start doing magic more on a budget or even just other playstyles because... There's a lot of fun ones out there, and uh, even when it came to like I like figuring out Oathbreaker and what we wanted to do with Oathbreaker, um, I've got a deck in mind that will get seen. Probably not going to be for a little bit here because the cards have been a little delayed in getting here. Um, I've given my boys a hint, and that hint is she's, she's a, a good girl. She's a good girl. And if any of you feel like trying to guess what that means, Oathbreaker. It's a planeswalker as my commander. And you won't give us, like, the color identity? No, God, no. No, absolutely <laughs> That'd not. That'd be a little too easy. Yeah, I, I think my hint is incredibly giving. It's just that, like, when, once you guys see the, like, once you guys see the deck, it's going to be one of those, like, oh, of course kind of moments. Well, okay, when I think, like, she's a good girl, like, I think about, like, like, oh, who's a good boy, right? Like a dog. That. I will give you absolutely nothing. I can assure <laughs> Just you this. Cold stares at me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I will give. I am. I am. I've got one hell of a poker face. Uh, all right, all right. Um, but in that, Tanner initially was talking about building. Uh, yeah, I, my my first instinct was to build Nicol Bolas the Dragon God with the Elder Spell. So gross. I've been, I'd been advised against it. Yeah, it's because, it's because rude. yeah, because it's kind of like you. Uh, Nicol Bolas costs five mana, which three of which are black. Yeah. And then the Elder Spell, two of which are black. So you yeah. need five black mana out of seven. Yeah. Um, but if you can cast Bolas and then the Elder Spell consecutively, and the Elder Spell basically kills the other Planeswalkers on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And then which, gives your commander yeah, two loyalty counters. Two each Planeswalker, I think. Yeah. And then so what it does is it puts your Planeswalker in the position to then ultimate. And the ultimate is... Um, each 
opponent who doesn't control a legendary permanent yeah. loses uh, the game. So it's either permanent or creature. It'll be on yeah. the screen. Yeah, you just right 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 here, right in the right in the Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, so like it the thing is like it, it seems at, like at first glance it's like wow that's pretty powerful because you can just mm-hmm. you just wait for your moment as long as the board is like set up then yeah. you can just pop it and win. Yeah. But it's sort of like if if one of your opponents has a legendary creature yeah then you sort of pop it and it doesn't resolve in just the game being over and now you got to deal with yeah. whatever's left. Yeah. So, Which is still fine because realistically on a regular notion and you're playing a lot of black, you're playing in black, red, blue, there's so much control. Um, it's a, a simple enough of having the mana potentially, even if it's not the turn you cast the bolus or even if it's just the turn. The out, bolus. The bolus. <laughs> our, our Lord and Savior, the bolus. <laughs> uh, even if it's not the same turn, it's like it's the next turn sort of thing. Oh no, you have a Cyclonic Rift in hand and then Elder Spell yeah. and whoops. You, Dude, I'm, you win anyway. I said this last time we talked about Oathbreaker. I'm so, so curious about what combat is like in Oathbreaker because yeah. it's a very, like, it's, instead of having a a creature in your command zone, you have a Planeswalker. And a Planeswalker is a just a, a target. It's mm-hmm. always a target. Mm-hmm. So I'm so curious how to build the, the not the 99, but yeah. the, I guess the 59, right? Yeah. And 58. Yeah, the 58. The 58. So to build the rest of the deck to be somewhat defensively and offensively competent. Yep. And yeah. like, dude, Fog Bank. All I can think about is how good Fog Bank is. <laughs> yeah, Fog Bank is pretty amazing. Okay, Jack, I apologize. You're all going to get mad at me. I'm pushing a cat off the table. <gasps> Bye, Jack. Bye, Jack. Love you, buddy. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird metric um, to kind of gauge how the combat's going to be. Because, of course, some of them are going to f- fly pretty well. Uh, like the one that I'm building that I won't give you guys any more hints on is going to be very combat focused. That okay. I guess is the only other hint. Not really. She's a, hint, a good girl. She's I... a good girl. Yeah. Beat your head against the wall trying to figure it out. It's, 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 it's a good one. I'm so stoked. It's a deck I've wanted to build in commander for a long time, <clears> but just never had the opportunity because it was always like maybe too much pressure trying to like think of what to build for it or like how to fashion it but Oathbreaker just kind of gave me it's like no okay the Planeswalker funnels me directly into what I can do with it perfectly oh hold on wait you you gave me another clue then can this Planeswalker be your commander because you said that you wanted to build it in commander Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, the idea for the deck, not, like, the... Oh, okay, okay. I, th- I thought you, you gave me I will not. A... I will not confirm nor deny <laughs> that it says this creature can be your commander, or this Planeswalker can be your All commander. All right. Okay. Um, it's a lot nicer, though, I think, than a deck, than my original idea, because he was going to do that nonsense, Bolas and the Elder Spell. I immediately joked. I still will. I, I have the pile right over there. I know, I know, I know. And I'm <laughs> I'm also, I think, going to be building, I don't know if I'll do the Elder Spell. I'm also going to be building a Bolus Oathbreaker just because I have a Bolus Commander deck with uh, Nicobolus the Ravager, but taking any of the other Nicobuluses because they're all in the deck um, and slapping them in that spot to just kind of figure it out. There's there's some interesting stuff that, I, that I'd like to try with that. Um, but my initial idea was Narset. Parter uh, Veils? The yeah. Mono Blue? Yeah, the Mono Blue. With Windfall, yeah, I think you mentioned Spark, that. And then Windfall in the side. Um, because if you're going to be rude, you might as well be oh, actually yeah. rude. Um, you might as funny well. Funny enough, uh, shout out to my boy Sven, if you're watching this. Um, 
I guess him and his brother and some of their friends did Oathbreaker like a year or two back. Um, just kind of like getting into it, uh, trying it out. And he built the Narset Windfall. And they banned him from playing Oathbreaker. They, they yeah, st- because it basically your opponents would have to discard their hand. Yeah. And then they don't get to draw. Yeah, Narset is you can, uh, each opponent can only draw one card oh, per turn. it would just be the one. One card per turn. Um, and then, yeah, so it's, it's, your, it's your turn. You Windfall. You're drawing a new hand. Your opponents only get one draw. And then from that point forward, it's like, oh, no, they hit their card draw synergies. Cool. I'm going to hit the windfall again. Cool. You're back to uh, Yeah. Head. The fact that you cast windfall and it goes back to the command zone. Yeah. It's absolutely um, gross. Speaking of terrible experiences in Oathbreaker, <laughs> yeah. this is a great segue into um, we have some, I guess, intriguing no. insights in oh, regards yeah. to the band list. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was building my deck and I'm sitting there funneling through cards. And like, I, of course, like I'm, I'm sitting there on Moxfield and, um, oh crap. Architect, 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 architect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool service. It allows you to actually build decks with your friends. Um, we're not sponsored by Moxfield or them. Hey guys, though, if you want to, if you want to sponsor us, we'd, we'd love to reach out. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, architect. Um, you can build your decks with friends. I was going through kind of like funneling my, uh, my regular mana rocks that I would put into any kind of deck that I would be building. And I slapped down the Sol Ring and on Moxfield, it'll highlight the cards that are not legal in the format you're playing in red and scrolling through, looking at my list and I saw Sol Ring and I'm like, what? Sol Ring is what? So I looked it up and Sol Ring was Banned in Oathbreaker, which blew yeah. my mind. And when when Brandon said that to me, I was like, "Man, I can't remember if I knew that about Oathbreaker." Mm-hmm. So now now that I'm digging into it, because my my next question was, oh, yeah. "Well, does that mean like Mana Crypt is banned as well?" I'm, now looking at it right now, it is. Mana not Crypt. only is Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, Soul Ring, uh, Jeweled Lotus. Uh, dark Ritual. Yeah, Dark Ritual. I mean, it makes sense because Oathbreaker itself is meant to, I think, be more balanced. And Yeah, I, I actually, I really appreciate the fact that it seems like they've just... It's like the fair mana rock. So you still get your Arcane Signet. You still get your, like, um, your teamed Signets, yeah. like your Gruul or your Rakdos Right, and your Felwar Stones and your Mind Stones, stuff like that. But they're really, they're, they've made a concerted effort to create a band list that like ultimately what this does is it creates a different experience. Mm-hmm. It the format has a different experience. This is very much akin to when when Wizards designed or came up with the idea to to basically take modern and chop it in half and create Pioneer. Yeah. They started at Cons of Tarkir, I believe, and Cons of Tarkir had fetchlands. Yeah. But they decided they were like, no, right off the bat, we're going to ban all the fetch lands. Mm-hmm. Because if the fetch lands are in this format, it's going to feel like modern. Yeah. It's going to feel like modern with less cards. But without the fetch lands, fetch lands were a land type in Magic that they enable so many so much different abuse. things. Yeah. Like, not only like Deathrite Shaman mm-hmm. in modern, that got banned because fetch lands, most people started their first game or their first turn with a fetch land yep. and then cracked it. And because that p- person cracked their fetch land and had a land in their graveyard, the opposing person could play their Deathrite Shaman yep. and eat that land out of their graveyard to create a mana for themselves, right? Like that card was banned because of the way it interacted with fetch lands. Yep. In every format it's been in without fetch lands, the card kind of sucks. Yeah, a little bit. But Back then, everybody called Deathrite Shaman the one-mana Planeswalker. It was the only one-mana Planeswalker in the format. Yeah. It basically had three modes, and it like, it just popped off every turn. 
anyway, the, like I, I really actually appreciate, I mean, expropriate is banned. Like, I mean, that makes sense. Expropriate is ooh, what about, one um, of my favorite spells um, on the screen. Uh, each player votes. Um, I, it's time or money, I think. Time or money. Um, yeah, money gets more votes. Or no, uh, yeah, each player, each player votes. <laughs> if you vote for money, you gain control of one of their permanents. If you vote for time, they take an extra turn. Yeah. Um, one of my decks that actually I, I just realized hasn't been featured yet. And I'm surprised I haven't tried to play it on the channel yet. My Bruna. Bruna Light of Alabaster. Oh, is that? Bruna is white and... She's Azorius. She's white-blue. White-blue, right. White-blue, six drop. Um, I think she's three white, two blue. No, two white, one blue, and then three. Um, she's as Voltron staple as you can get. You swarm your battlefield with as much Staxi nonsense until you can get her out, and you make sure that your graveyard battlefield and any and hand are filled with as many auras as you can because as soon as she attacks oh, or defends right. this card all of the auras this card this this one right here yeah. this this card jeez uh, uh i it, it's one of my favorite decks it's one of my slowest decks and it's one of the, my decks that has the highest win rate because it's it's that that perfect tome of you get your fog bank in there you get your guard gamazoa in there you get your Okay, yeah, I can just block your big creatures or I can block your stuff. I don't have to worry. And then, yeah, things like Expropriate. Um, like, Expropriate is the card that wins me that game so much because it literally just turns into, cool, Bruna's on the battlefield. Whatever. I've got my Lightning Greaves on her. I've got my Swift Boots, something. Cool, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I, am I taking your commander or your biggest player on the battlefield or are you giving me an extra turn? The extra turn? Cool. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> She's so rude. Man, it was like, so I'm also realizing here in this ban list yep. is stuff like Tooth and Nail. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously Tinker. I think Tinker's banned in Commander as well. Yagmas Bargain. Um, we've got... Ad nauseum. Oh, yeah. yeah it um, seems like a lot of the big combo, combo Yeah, pieces, basically... The stuff that just steers you to a direct win a lot, or at least, yeah, a lot of them are on the ban list. Primal which, Surge. Primal Surge. <laughs> Who's playing Primal Surge other than me? Other than you. <laughs> other than me. So shout out to the guys who made Oathbreaker. I, don't, yeah. I, I know that it was like a, it was a fan-made format, and I think it was because it, it, it had like a really really good stride yeah. in like 2018 or 2019 yeah. where it was popular online and then Wizards just, they didn't like take control of it or anything. Like they didn't do what they did with Commander because yeah. Commander, Elder Dragon Highlander was the thing that was, yeah. and then Wizards was like, yeah, we're going to do this as well. Yeah. But no, Oathbreaker, they, what they did was they, they just simply tipped their hat. I, yeah. I think I remember they just let everybody know that yeah. they'll they'll recognize it as an official format. Yeah. It was basically just a vote of confidence. Yeah. And that was probably because they, they saw something in the team that was doing it. And they were like, yeah, like, like this is cool. This is an official format. And then it like, poof, yeah, it just went off. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with, because it's effectively just commander with a twist. Right? Yes, it is a commander variant. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we saw their acknowledgement as well as their, ig like, ig not ignorance, ig ignoring of it as, as, a, as a thing. Because they certainly don't push it. No, um, yeah, they don't talk about it much anymore since then, I guess. It's because I think for the most part, realistically, it's like, 
the commander variant, and their wizards these days is all about commander, obviously. Really? No, really? So <laughs> I never would have guessed. Um, but then to see Oathbreaker do successful where they can acknowledge it, I feel like their where their minds were at is that they didn't want to pseudo compete with their own market in commander. Cause if they started like what creating Oathbreaker precons kind of thing, would they, would they be trying to follow that up? And then are they competing and losing sales on one or the other? No. Where it's like, if you just put out commander as well as your planeswalkers, the healthy, like the healthy format of Oathbreaker gets to exist. But if you put out Oathbreaker decks, and commander decks as like a regular staple release, all of a sudden you're hitting this tome where, yeah, your commander decks aren't selling as well because people are drifting into Oathbreaker or mm. you're not selling your Oathbreaker as well because people are drifting into commander. I worry that if commander just gets too similar and same and stale, yeah, that that would hurt sales. I think that having a variant and also, oh my God, geez, <laughs> 60 card decks. Oh yeah. feels so good to shuffle. I... If yeah. I could just play some, I'm, like, I want to play so much more Oathbreaker on this channel just so that I don't have to shuffle 100 card decks. <laughs> yeah, as somebody who started getting into double-sleeving some of my decks, because, oof, some of them are getting pricey. Um, yeah, Jack's walking on these, like, these lands here. He just, he wants to hold them. They're, they're really nice. I guess. These, these things are beautiful. If you this can, is, I, sorry, I don't It hurts my soul for you to bring that out. Go ahead, but. To bring it out? No, I just. In like an, an entire the oil slick basics from the what was it from the the, the, the all we one bundle? <gasps> this all will be one for X. These are some of the sexiest basic lands ever, and they're they're just so nice. Sorry. And now your and now your finger oils are all over the oil slick. I'll buy them. All. I swear, I'll just purchase them. I mean, those are yours. So, <laughs> I we I think we talked about this. I don't know. It might have been one of the podcasts that we scrapped. One way about this box, we cracked it open. Um, I bought the box, so I kind of took, like, my little fair share of it because there were two sets of those lands, uh, kind of, like, oil, a couple, like, oil slick, uh, other cards kind of thing. I took my Vraska. It's in my, it's in my Nicobolus deck because plus zero to proliferate and draw a card. Yikes, dude. Judge. <laughs> judge. 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 That's, um, that's a Golgari card. Yeah, it's a Golgari. It's, no, she's mono, is she, no, she's mono black. No. Yeah, she's mono black. She hold she, up she, that's that. I gotta check this. She's absolutely mono black. Oh my god. That's why I put her in my bolus. Is it because of the oil slick foil makes it look mono black? No, no. <laughs> if I'm a dumbass and I've been playing, because nobody's called me out and I swear it's mono black. Vraska. Is it Betrayal Sting? I think so. Yeah, card Fraxio. Kingdom. Fraxio Obi-Wan. Yeah, mono black, bitch. I told you. <gasps> is that a really? Sorry, Jack. Sorry, guys. All right. I'll take my beats. I thought for sure that was Golgari, but... No, I know, because that was what blew my mind, is because Vraska's always been Golgari, and one of my favorite Planeswalkers, to be honest. She's just... Especially the old ones. I can't say as broken, but also very broken, because, like, three out of the old ones, her ulti gave you, like, either assassins or whatever, that if they dealt combat damage to a player, they just lost the game. And it's like... That's so disgusting. Yeah, there was there was the one from War of the Spark, the uncommon, where it made planeswalker death touch assassins. Yeah, they would like if they hit planeswalkers, they would kill them. Yeah, I like it was cool space. I know that the, I think the one from Ixalan, that one saw standard play for. Oh yeah, the entirety I think of its its time in standard, it was a pretty good card. Oh yeah, it's still in my Gave deck, even yeah. though Gave has been semi permanently shelved. 
because we stick away from infinite combos these days. And I'm kind of glad that we've made that kind of choice for our channel. I'm sure that we'll have a space where those kind of become more prevalent and where we oh. can play them. But Gave was just an infinite engine. That's all he. That's all he was. Do that's all he's there for. That's all he does. It's just oh no, infinite tokens, infinite mana, blood artist. Oops, you're dead. Well, and the funny thing is, is I did mention in one of the podcasts that we were sitting here, and I was like, man, I'm I'm feeling like this weird draw, this like magnetism, this this primal fucking pull. Mm -hmm to try CEDH. Yeah. Dude. And I've spent the last six or seven days. Actually, I want to shout out. There's a, a, a podcast that I started listening to. Um, I was just searching through one of the magic groups that we post our stuff to on Facebook. And there was somebody that on there, uh, Darth Elder Dragon. Shout mm -hmm. out to that guy. His, pot or his, his podcast called Thought Scour. And yeah, I there was an episode with a, a dude that he was interviewing and he, he was basically talking about CEDH mm -hmm. and getting addicted to it yeah, and how different it is and how invigorating, invigorating it is to like think about your deck in regards to like these, these two to three packages mm -hmm. that are built into the deck and mm -hmm. these lines, they're mm -hmm. specific lines that you're looking to go for, yep. trying to execute them as quick as possible. And all he had to say was that he built an Elsha of the Infinite CEDH and that the deck is actually very competitive and it's like one of the commanders that people do play in CDH. And yeah. the minute I heard that, I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, I think I know what I want to do. I think I know what I want to do. And I've been looking at lists. I've been watching people play the deck. And also just like also shout out to Play to Win, mm -hmm. the their YouTube channel and their podcast. Man, CEDH, like it sounds... It is a completely different format. Oh, yeah, it is absolutely. a completely different oh, yeah. ethos, yeah. but it sounds so much fun. And the one thing I was actually driving home from work today, I was like, if I build this deck, yeah. even if I, because I got to proxy most of the cards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. Because CEDH, <laughs> just, just to be clear, um, it basically runs off of a meta of cards. Yeah. And unfortunately, that meta of cards, understandably, is the most powerful in Magic that have been printed. So most of the time, yeah. you're running things like the Moxes where you can. You're running... No, they're not legal. <clears throat> Are they not? No. It, unfortunately, what, one thing that I think I support is for the, the two formats to have separate ban lists. Yeah. But they don't. Commander, yeah. the Commander Advisory Group, like the, the main commander sphere yeah the ban list is oh, shared between cedh and casual commander oh which it doesn't make any sense it cedh is so much of a different format yeah and yeah it's, there's there's cards that have been banned because of the way that they act in cedh like yeah like hull breacher is yeah. kind of that card was egregious i guess i mean I, I didn't personally experience that but a lot of, i heard a lot of people's stories about just how crazy that card was but yeah, I feel like it, it. It would be. It would be this great. I, I feel like it would be a huge boon to both formats yeah. if they could split their ban list a little bit. But I mean, that's kind of the problem with it. Is how do you do that without functionally taking away the competitiveness of CEDH? Uh, yeah, of CEDH because CEDH is meant to be like the hyper hyper competitive yeah form. that's why what i mean is if they had their own ban list they could probably take some cards off the ban list yeah the cards that piss people off in casual yeah right but the cedh players are like no that card's fine it's it's no no more powerful than dockside and teamer Sabretooth popping off and just ending the game right like, i guess that's true there, there's 
it, and the thing is for, for CEDH players, it, it like, it adds granularity and content and like more things to the format. So I, I, I guess kind of, I'd like to see how that would work if they were to do that. Cause again, CEDH falls down into almost specifically just a meta, um, where 99 cards are all funneled around getting out. Yeah. Like you said, one or two packets of of like specific cards that are your win cons. The entire decks are built to focus out those combos and nothing else, which is why I've kind of personally stuck away from it is because, and like why I shelved Gave because Gave was nowhere near CEDH, super slow, but it was still every single game turned into, I'm just fishing for the exact same cards every single game, and it just got boring. So here's the thing, is I completely understand. And when I sit down for a casual commander game and I Mm -hmm. bust out um, Risk the Redeemed or something, I don't want to play against somebody who's going to combo, or who's reliably going to combo on turn four or something, right? Yeah. That's not what I'm desiring in that moment. And like, but the thing is, I I want, I do desire, and I I would love to put together a CEDH deck. And what I would love Mm -hmm. is to sit down at a table or even an entire night Mm -hmm where the expectation of all players at the table is to just, like, send it. Yeah. And I feel like the result is that you would, like, especially if everybody's cool with that. Oh, yeah. No, no feelings are hurt, and you just get, you probably just get so many more games in. Oh, yeah. And, like, the one thing that I realized is I was watching a primer on how this Elsha deck works, and mm-hmm. I, I'm going to build this Elsha deck. <laughs> I'm going to build it. The floodgates are open. But the thing is, it still hurts my brain. Yeah how to get how to navigate it, it's it's like uh it's a friggin math puzzle yep and like like one of the lines is sensei's dividing top with yep. a, ma- a cost reducer like yep. the, the the combo that i pulled off in the episode where i won there yeah but the cool thing about that is that that is the enabler that then puts you in the position to okay now i draw my deck and i have access to all of the other packages and then at that point you just you 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 combo in blah 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 blah. Okay, now I have infinite mana, and now once I have infinite mana through this line, now I I can cast the rolling earthquake and just kill everybody at the table. Yeah. Right. Like there's there's all these different lines based on the certain packages that are in the deck, and <laughs> I'm I'm like I I want to get the cards in my yeah. hand. Yeah. So that I can goldfish on the table upstairs or whatever. Right. Just yeah. be like like I try and figure it out myself because it's one thing to listen to someone else's like primer, someone yeah. who knows the deck very well, who yeah. knows the lines very well. But for me to sit there and try to, like, be in that position and be like, uh, what do I do next? Because that's the cool part, is that I feel like it is it's it is a much more difficult format. Oh, yeah. Because if if you if you have the tier one, yeah. the S tier most powerful deck in CEDH, and you hand it to somebody that does not, that has not memorized the math, yeah. then they will never win, right? It's like, they won't even see it. Yep. They, they can have all the cards in their deck in their hand, and they won't. It's it's like a sequencing thing, yep. and so oh, nobody <laughs> I know. I'm I'm like fired up. I oh, cannot I wait to try it, but I don't know. I think I'm gonna have to do what I'm doing here with the face to face thing, and I might have to just like sling myself into a, a store and go play against strangers. Well, one of the things that we can do too is again bringing up my buddy Sven. Shout out. Um, is him and his play group they almost exclusively play like CEDH or close to. Um, where most Let's of the time, get him over for a game. Yeah, no, I'm. I've I've kind of been half goading him into trying to come on the channel for a little bit, and I think if we do just make the call, especially like getting a couple of his buddies together, yeah, uh, just to be like, you know, we're doing a, like a CEDH, like let's let's go. I, I I can almost get us like a nice little group of people that would be down. Yeah, let's get their group 
to come over and give this boy a, a primer. <laughs> yeah. Can be like, oh, please, sensei, please, please teach me how to play my deck. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely doable. Because, yeah, it is. It's it's an entirely different beast. Like, I think, yeah, our very first podcast, I kind of talked to it. Uh, I talked about it. My introduction to magic was playing with people who were, like, right on the fringe or had decks that were CEDH. And it was just kind of like every once in a while, they'd bring out those decks and they'd be like, yeah, I'm playing this deck because I want to flex today. And they'd turn two, turn three, maybe turn four. If things were going a little slower, there were answers in yeah. other people's hands. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's it's an entirely other beast that is saved for a special occasion because you've got to have a real good mentality to deal with it because... It's not a casual. It's a, like it's not casual. You don't sit down. There's there's fun to be had in it, but it's not one of those formats that you sit down to actually like have fun. Fun. It's unless you find that weird like finding the lane, like finding the like. I, I feel like there is fun in it. There, there, there is a lot of fun in it. I've just also. I think the better way of saying it is I've never seen saltier players than yeah. when I've seen CEDH <laughs> games. Is truth. Like, yeah, you've got the deck that is, like, the top tier or the second top tier. Yep. And, like, yeah, if we can if we can go with Sven, I'm going to keep calling you out, boy. Uh, the amount of stories I talked to him about, like, his friends doing everything in their power to shut his combos down. And then he still just somehow is just like, okay, I guess I'm going <laughs> to yeah. cast this now and win the game anyways. And they're like, what the hell? How do, how they, how do you do that? And it's like. Is this, that's what my deck does. Yep. It is capable. It is capable as fuck. Capital C. With a capital. Well, so we're closing in on an hour or whatever, right? Like we, we did Are we the, actually? Yeah, well, it's like 53 minutes is the recording. We plan on doing a short one today. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about to neatly package this up? We talked we're, about the face-to-face. We wanted to talk about the Oathbreak. We did that a little bit yeah. sort of thing. We, yeah, you guys will see those games coming up soon. Yeah, we're also um, gonna we're gonna focus on Popper. We we do have I think we didn't nail down a date for our next live stream. Yeah, it's coming up soon, and when we do that, we're probably gonna do quite a few different formats, just yeah. kind of spotlight stuff. Um, it might also somehow end up being the face to face weekend. We don't think it's what going our live to. stream. Oh my god, that well, would be so much. Well, on I, our know, plate. I just know that Brady was kind of talking about like potentially either doing live stream stuff or at least recording stuff that day. If we could yeah, we could probably the event back. We could probably like manage to record something. Yeah. But yeah. I think for our next live stream, we should like we should plan to do the Halloween thing. Yeah. Well, actually, I had a question because like our, our our absent rogue that's not here at the table with us today is his birthday today. Yeah. Happy birthday, Brady Magpie. Um, he's got a whole lot going on right now, and I and I know that he had he was planning on doing that uh, birthday tournament. Yeah. And then he canceled it because uh, he wasn't going to be here. But yeah. he's here. Yeah. So did we cancel it for no reason? Or I, that's up to Brady. <laughs> There's a few of our play group that are a little annoyed at the situation. Oh, shoot. <laughs> because of the wishy-washiness of it. And that's yeah. kind of entirely on that boy. Sorry to call you out. Our lovely, <laughs> he's our, not even our, here in the room. Our, our lovely third. Um, he still wants to. He's still dedicated to doing something for the Halloween. Uh, restructured where there was a bunch of rules that we had in place to try and make it quirky and kind of like off-branch from other stuff, like no blue and all that. We're dropping all of that. Yeah. And it's kind of just becoming like a spooky Halloween-themed just magic night of spicy decks. Um, we'll get back to you on that. Yeah. At this point, I think like I, I want to sort of push to like nail down a date for the Halloween thing. Yeah. So I'm going to semi put ourselves on the record here is like, hey, 
uh, look out for a potential confirmed yeah. live stream. It'd be sweet if you guys come and hung out again. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be fun maybe to try and figure out how to do the musical chairs idea for that. Like yeah. <laughs> total chaos for Halloween. Total chaos. That'd be fun. Um, I think that's most of it. Uh, I don't really want to drag this out, but I've got a couple other things that I like did want to talk about. One of them specifically is there's been this metric that's come out uh, oh, last couple of days, last week sort of thing. And it's looking at it here. We'll get this up on the screen for you. It is the, this is only for U.S. players. There's only metrics for the United States. Um, it is the universes beyond audience overlap with Magic players. And it's specifically the engagement of how many fans that have been talked to have been categorized. Even I'm, I'm sure Wait, some They have of this, metrics on this? They have metrics on this. There's the website itself. Uh, ooh, ooh, we're going, ooh. Oh. Uh, yeah, find more at cardboardbythenumbers.com. Not a sponsor, just some people who like to do the math behind magic. Hmm. Um, yeah, they went through and they kind of did the overlap of like, what is the fan ratio overlap percentage of the universes beyond stuff that we've seen compared to just people who enjoy magic as flat magic. And from what, like, from what we've got here, 29.9% uh, of fans are crossed between Lord of the Rings and Magic the Gathering. So you would say essentially 30% of people were already fans of both? Yes. Uh, hmm. Warhammer 40K, 25.3%. Stranger oh, Things. I thought Warhammer would have been higher than Lord of the Rings. I think it's just because it's too widely different. Right, but think of every Magic story you've ever gone to. Like yeah. Magic and Warhammer are sold in the same stores. You know? True, like <laughs> true. Um but it still is like a fair fair metric. Well, with Lord of the Rings being one of the fa like highest high fantasy things that exist, you'd think that that thirty percent would be bigger, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So seeing Warhammer forty k, which absolutely is way more niche than than Lord of the Rings, it's still very big, still very popular, but way more way more niche than Lord of the Rings in its IP. Uh, at twenty five point three, Stranger Things, which we haven't seen the Stranger Things thing from like the Secret Lair from a few years ago, twenty yep. percent, and then we dip. To the Transformers Deep. at 10.7% crossover for like, yeah. Okay. I feel like even like Transformers fans were even slightly a touch uh, or a generation above mine. Yeah. I'm, I'm at time of recording, I am Tanner and I am 37 <laughs> years old. And I yeah. feel like Transformers was like, uh, kind of like Beast Wars was on TV when I was young. Yeah. Same. Like I, Transformers I, was, was. Cause my, like, my dad, right? Yeah, because before Michael Bay's live action uh, resurgence of the franchise, and there were like a bunch of cartoons, and there's been a bunch of cartoons since. Um, like the big moment for Transformers back in the day was, I think it was 1987. It might have yeah. been 1983. It's one of the two for sure. Um, uh, yeah, we're talking the, like the, Optimus Prime, like it, Star Scream, and that's what those the the yeah. card set, the secret layer was yeah. sort of like targeted towards. Yeah, um, but like the nineteen eighties movie, um, trend, like like official Transformers, the motion picture, animated, um, animated yeah. motion picture, and it's a it's a good one. It it kind of fills the old niche of if any of you have seen uh, the new Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, they bring in uh, Unicron, the planet eater, planet destroyer. It's a big robot that's the size of a planet that eats other planets to fuel himself. Um, he was the big bad in that uh, OG film, 
And so, like, I loved seeing it for seeing that kind of, like, pseudo bringing that movie into the modern day and age and in the live action. I honestly wasn't the biggest fan of the new Transformers. It wasn't necessarily a bad film. By gasp. Any, gasp. It wasn't, a bad, <laughs> it wasn't a bad film by any rights, but it kind of fell into the thing that I feel like a lot of films in today's realm of stuff are trying to do, and that is our plot is action. And it just, it, it doesn't really work that well. We're just, things are happening because we say they're happening and there's no real justification for their happening, but yeah. big explosions and, and fast moments and car chases are just kind of like that. That's, that's not storytelling. It's, it, it you can tell a story with that stuff, but it itself is not storytelling. I'm sorry. I, I know there's a lot of people online that'll agree with that. It's just... <laughs> yep. Write the script and then put in the action scenes. Okay, so what's after Transformers? Uh, we have Doctor Who at nine point nine percent, which is the upcoming. That's interesting because like they're they're basing Lord of the Rings and Stranger Things after. Wow, how are they developing these metrics? Because Doctor Who has only been teased. Yeah. Whereas um, those other ones have been like marketed properly, right? The One Ring. The I, source is coming from advertising insights. Um, as well as some level of polling, uh, users ages 13 plus in the United States. Okay. Yeah. So most of this is just kind of like word of mouth slash what they know is like the vocal or already paid out hype. How many people have pre-ordered? How many, like what's all, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot that goes into this too much for us to explain. Doctor Who is a pretty small niche. Is it not? Well, at least in North America? I, it, it's grown. It, right, the, but the, it, like, the fact you, that it's right behind Transformers, I think, fits very well. If if you were to ask kids or like thirteen plus in the UK about Doctor Who, it would be way different. Oh yeah, but here, um, with well, with the modern Who, especially the first few seasons when we had Eccleston as like the resurgence. Oh, of Oh, here we go. Here we go. Doctor Who we talk we, again. We, we won't. We won't. We won't get too far into it. Eccleston was kind of like the resurgence of it, and it was very UK based. There was some uh, Westernized fans out of that, um, and then we got into David Tennant, and David Tennant was the one who basically brought it to the world, wide world. Uh, it was still very cheesy, still very campy, still very like pseudo big, pseudo low budget. Um, because you could tell the difference because as soon as David Tennant, like the later seasons of David Tennant uh, were getting better and definitely seeing a little bit more money thrown at them. But the shift between David Tennant to Matt Smith is worlds different. You hmm. you can see like even just camera quality. Like Matt, like they finished on David Tennant and the world loved it and him and BBC was basically like, okay, we have a worldwide audience now. Let's throw money at this. Yeah, the studios, I mean, in regards to the production value yeah. of things, it really does come down to what the studios are comfortable spending. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then on this list, I'm sure that there's more, at least for this short list. It just goes into a couple of them. Uh, we have Street Fighter at 5.2%. Not really that surprised. Fighting games compared to Magic. Yeah, there's some lovely nerdy crossover, but two very different worlds. Yeah, shout uh, out to uh, Luis Scott Vargas, Hall of Famer, LSV. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. actually, before he was into Magic, he was a competitive Street Fighter II player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he is the 5.2%. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then at the for this list specifically, we have at the very bottom, The Walking Dead at 3.6%, which again, yeah. not surprising. It was so niche, and it was kind of, not the first, but like the first real, like, 
universes beyond secret lair thing that really pushed the boundaries. Yeah, it. Where did what was the very first secret lair? I don't know. We can do a quick little search on this too. The Walking Dead, I believe, was the first universes beyond. It was the first collaboration with another IP, I believe. Yeah. And it pissed a lot of people off because there was no plan to potentially have a way to reprint the cards, right? Secret layers were like a, like they're print on demand. Yeah. So however many people order, we'll print and we'll send them to them and then we're on to the next one. The problem was, was that I think it was Rick was playable in Legacy Humans. Mm-hmm. So like there was com- like competitions happening worldwide where there was demand for this card, but the card was so inaccessible because it was, it wasn't something that was printed in booster boxes and opened worldwide yep. in huge numbers. It was this small amount of cards that would never get a reprint, so the price would steadily forever just go up into, into oblivion. And then they it, it caused a, a huge stink where they had to eventually say that, okay, at one point in the future we'll reprint these cards, but we'll do in-universe versions, which is like they'll reprint it under a different name mm-hmm. just so that they can, you know, give more reprints of it. But, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a very strange time. A lot of people were very mad about the Walking Dead thing, but it was very popular because, I mean, it, Walking Dead was huge. Yeah, it was it was its own sort of mini cultural phenomenon. Uh, so I'm finding, I'm not, I'm not finding anything specific. I'm, I'm finding December. Ooh, I know. December, in... December 2nd, 2019 is when uh, secretlair.wizards.com first went live. Yeah, there was a, there was a Cats one. Yeah. The, the. There, yeah, was, there was a in the first drop of secret layers. There was one that I wish I got. Yeah. That had Regal Caracal from Amon Ket because I mean, that set was or was Regal Regal Caracal that was from Our Devastation. I think so. I can't, it was I'm it was from sure Amon Ket Block. Um. I think there was like it, there were like really cutesy versions of these like cats. Yeah. And I loved my cats deck oh, yeah. that I built. O- OMG kitties. Yeah. OMG kitties. Hold OMG on. So kitties. so secret layer. OMG. Okay, this makes sense. Kitties. So I don't know on the specific. We could potentially find this. Ooh, yeah, we can potentially find this. Um, there was the Secret Lair bundle, all seven drops, which seemed to just be like specific different art for reprints and tokens. We got the Bitter Blossom Dreams, which was. Oh like, yeah, that Bitter Blossom. I, 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 I. So Bitter Blossom is a card, one in a black. Right here. Beginning of your upkeep, you lose a life and create a one-one fairy rogue token. Yeah. Yep. It came with individual beautiful custom fairy rogue tokens. I think yep. it came with four different arts. Yep. And like, God, I yep. wish I bought that one. Like this. Same. Uh, like I'll, I'll put this on the screen right now. The OMG kitties, the cat token. Yeah. The one one life life link cat for for like the sacred cat token or whatever. Oh my God, he's like, a naked cat. He's ugh. a Siamese. They the. The, at this point, I was like, man, like these secret layers are actually just super cool. And I super never did cool. buy them. I never did. I still have never bought a secret layer. Uh, some of them. I support them. Yeah, I love them. I, I support them as well. I think it's a super cool idea. Uh, I'm glad that they've done it because it itself has kind of like brought down the price of some of the more mm-hmm. expensive cards from the past as well as just offered. Like it, it is the right way to do collectibles where de- bring down the overall value of the magic product. So that it's more accessible for everybody, and then secret layers or all of like these mass amounts of different arts um, that we're seeing out of just like the new boxes sort of thing, where 
if you want to be the collector and you want to spend the big money and you want to do this, hey, here's where you get to like showcase that, yeah, you've been the collector or that like you got that awesome pull out of your set that paid for your box kind of thing. But it doesn't have to mean that, oh no, every person isn't going to be able to, like you go buy uh, a duress. It's not that expensive of a card. You go buy like the invocation duress out of Amonkhet and it's like, oh, okay, this is like a hundred, or like was like a hundred yeah, yeah, yeah. dollars more than, than it would normally cost. And it's like, that's, that's where it makes sense. One of these days I'd love to collect the yeah. entire collection of invocations just because it yeah. was, it was so. the first set. And in, in my first time buying magic cards yeah. was an Amonkhet bundle. And in those 10 booster packs, I pulled a masterpiece invocation. Yep. Yeah, and I, I did. still have it to this day, and I, I've come across one more yeah. since then, the Consecrated Sphinx that I have. From Taylor, yeah. Yeah, so I, I have two of them, and, like, that weird thing in my brain is just, like, complete the set, complete the set, complete, complete the set. set. <laughs> but it's like, holy fuck would that be expensive. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Ooh. No, I agree. Uh, yeah, we talked about it on the first podcast. I uh, ripped a box of Amonkhet open, got whatever invocation card. Can't even remember what it was. I don't think it was the direct. It was it, like one black something. I can't remember what it was. It was like the most expensive. I think Entomb was in the set. Oh, I mean, it might have been Entomb. Whatever it was, it was the most like, it was either the first or the second most expensive invocation out of the set. And I'm like, I don't care about this. Brought it back to the shop, handed it to them, got another free box the same day. And I'm like, yeah. swimming in cards. You know what's funny though? You're swimming in a bunch of commons and uncommons. And like, yeah. that, that's like for me, I I, pr- I might have done the same thing. Yeah. Well, I, well, I didn't because so the the one that I pulled was aggravated assault. Yeah, and that Ooh, lives happily in my that, locust god. Deck. That's a great one. Yeah, <clears throat> it, or wait, no, I think I pulled it out of my locust god and put it in my itali. Yeah, because extra combats in itali. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. As um, as for secret lair though, I've bought in three secret lair products to date. Uh. Three? Yeah, the three. Phyrexian versions of the, the Praetors. versions of the OG Phyrexian Praetors, um, which is still boxed, still sealed. I uh, I just I can't bring myself to rip it open. I don't, uh, I don't know why. I you, want... you call in Post Malone out to, to crack the slab on his $2 million oh, exactly. one ring. Exactly. It's Pull those mil- things out of those boxes, Brandon. <laughs> uh, well, part of the reason is because I hate when I look. Uh, other people love it. I hate looking at cards in other languages and being just like, what does this card do? And the Phyrexians oh. are wordy as fuck. So yeah. it's kind of like, I don't want to have to look them up every time that I can't remember specifically what yeah, they do. Or actually, somebody else being like, what's the exact wording on that? And it's like, I, I, I'll I show just you this. don't know. I'll show you this right now. I was flipping through my Boros deck here. Oh, yeah, the Japanese. Right? And I, I was like, man, I was a weeb when I built this deck. I got yeah. like... These are, um, I put it up on screen, I guess. This is a Japanese version of the, I, it is the, it's the Forge, no, uh, it's the Shockland. Okay. It's the Boros Shockland. I can't even remember what it's called at this Sacred moment. Sacred Foundry? Sacred Foundry, correct. And then there's this one, which is, <laughs> I, I, I've got lands in this deck. I, I, I put a bunch of them in Japanese and yeah. now, now that I haven't played the deck in like years yep. and that I've come back to it and I'm flipping through it, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> what does it do? What is it? I don't, I don't I know. know. I can't read it. Yeah. One of these, well, I think there's a temple of triumph in here that yeah. is also Japanese. There's a Japanese defiance strike. Yeah. It's just stupid. I yeah. don't know what I was thinking. I'm, yeah. Like also my, um, my Oketra, God Eternal, yeah. Oketra, 
commander deck. I have the Japanese token and the Japanese commander. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. They, uh, they look really pretty, but it sucks when you have to, like, pull out your phone to yeah. remember what your card does. Oh, yeah. No, the only other... I, I don't think it actually has been three. I think it was two. But the other one I did specifically on purpose, which was... I we It was the Junji Ito. Because, oh, me and Brady will go on and on about Junji Ito. I've what cards all, were in that? Uh, Doomsday, Plague Crafter... Ooh. Um... It's like the one drop. Look it up. The one drop black zombie that is like staple for reanimator decks. Um, but we got those in the foil Japanese, and oh god, are they gorgeous! They look like they're made out of pure silver. It's oh yeah, they're very like very grayscale. Yeah, oh, entirely black and white. There is no color to them. In, in, a, in proper manga fashion. Ooh, we got a Thoughtseize. We got a Plague yeah, Crafter, yeah. a Doomsday, and a Carrion Feeder. Carrion Feeder. And then, yeah, Thoughtseize was the other one. But yeah, me and me and Brady, uh, we split those. I took the Doomsday and the Plague Crafter, and he took the uh, the Thoughtseize and the, uh, the Carrion, Carrion Feeder. Feeder. Pretty sweet. Yep. Yep. So I, I love Secret Layers. Yeah, I do love them. I, so I, I regret every one that I've liked and didn't <laughs> buy. Well, we'll get you that Atali one of these days. Don't worry. Yeah, the Atali. Well, I don't. I don't mind buying singles. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the um, the signets. Yeah. The the old border like the, the sorry they were they were old border and all of the signets were drawn like the original Mox mm-hmm. art like the Mox amber or sorry yeah. Mox jet Mox pearl. Yeah. You know, like they were so beautiful, and then they they did arcane signet, mm-hmm. and they didn't tell anyone, and they mm-hmm. threw it in the they threw it in there. So you got Arcane Signet with it as well. And they were all done in this old, beautiful art style. Yep. And I, the reason, like, you know, back then it was like, okay, $39 to buy the kit. Yeah. If I wanted to buy all those now, it's like $139. Yeah. Right? It's, that's the thing that I regret was that I just, I should have just snatched it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the tough call. And that's why I've only like done a couple because it's like, it really takes that special something for me to be like, okay, let's spend this money on these beautiful cards. Yeah. But we're just going to proxy them. <laughs> Shush, don't say that. People no, get mad at us. No, that's one thing. Uh, actually, yeah. going back to the CEDH comment, yeah. uh, happy, happy to find that like the CEDH community in whole, yeah. they don't give a fuck about proxies. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, again, back to back to my boy, good old Svenny. I don't think he's bought proper <laughs> yeah. magic in years because it's literally just... It's about the play. It's about the the... Yeah. the it's about the, the experience, not yeah. the cards. Yeah. They either proxy the decks or they will go out of their way to like build the deck, play it for a month, and then immediately sell it just to get their money back. Just uh yeah, just for the experience. Just to say, I did this, it worked, I kicked ass, awesome. Yep. I'm excited. I'm excited for this weekend coming up. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. You're I'm gonna excited see... for CDH. Yeah. I'm excited for seeing Brandon what? You're gonna see C you sorry, you, I interrupted you while you were like, you're going to see, and then I, I, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, I don't know. Now he's know. blanking. I, I'm, I'm totally blanking. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to be at the the face-to-face tour. We're, like, you'll, you'll, if, if you're local, yeah. of course, come and heckle us. Yeah. I'm going to be sitting at a table, like, sweating oh, yeah. and competing against somebody. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of content coming out of that, that yeah. weekend. Yeah. There's going to be a, we're going to be trying to capture as much of it as we can. Yep. Yep. 
We got these cool new GoPros now, so we'll have some like really slick cinematic slow mos of us tripping over our pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, as we do in good fashion. As we do. And then, yeah, we got Oathbreaker content coming on the way. We got Popper content coming on the way. Popper Commander content coming on the way. Um, and a very good girl. And a very good girl, yeah. Uh, I think we should probably wrap this one up so that I, it doesn't take me so long to edit that I can't get this out for you guys on Sunday. <laughs> I agree. We went way longer than we meant to. Yeah, we were like, we'll just do a quick half hour. Yeah. It's, dude, like, this the reason we're doing this channel is because, like, talking about magic, thinking about magic, it's intoxicating. It's inspiring. Yeah. You could I, you just pull the ripcord. If it wasn't for the fact that I'm dead tired right now, I would yeah. just keep going. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I wanted to get into a whole multimedia talk about all the other like video games and anime and other nonsense going on, but next time. Yep. All right. Well, yeah. uh, I mean, I hope everything is going swimmingly in all of your lives. Likewise. And uh, again, happy birthday, Brady. Happy birthday, boy. When you see this. And uh, we will we'll see you guys on the next episode of the Rogue's Passage podcast and in every piece of content that we create, regardless of how silly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye! Have a great night.